Welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Have you wondered if a clinical trial might be a good idea for your loved one with Parkinson's disease? Do you have doubts or concerns about participating in a clinical trial? On today's show, I'm going to talk to Joe and Barbara from my clinical practice, and I think you're going to enjoy the interview and the feedback that they gave us regarding clinical trials. Hello, and welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. This podcast is produced for care partners and caregivers of loved ones with Parkinson's disease. This show is brought to you by Dr. Kloss's new book, You're a Better Parkinson's Disease Caregiver Than You Think. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. I'm excited to be joined by Joe and Barbara. Joe is a care partner for his wife, Barbara, who is a patient in my clinical practice. Barbara is in the early stages of Parkinson's disease, but she chose to participate in a clinical trial offered at our research center, and she has been in this trial now for the last two years. I sat down with the two of them to discuss clinical trials and the role that it plays in managing Parkinson's disease. I want to share their thoughts with you today on the show and invite you to listen in to an interview that I conducted with them on clinical trials. Joe and Barbara, thank you for joining me today. I want to start off, Barbara, and just ask you, um, you were diagnosed with Parkinson's about two and a half years ago. If you could just tell us a little bit about the symptoms that you had at the beginning and how it led to the diagnosis of Parkinson's. Well, I had a tremor in my leg, which wasn't severe or even noticeable. And I asked my primary care doctor about it, and he sent me to a physical therapist. And then after I went to her for a year or part of a year, I said, now I have a tremor in my arm. And she said, then it's in your brain. Go see a neurologist. And it really didn't register with me that I had anything serious. So I made an appointment with my neurologist, with a neurologist. And his PA diagnosed me. And I wasn't very satisfied with that diagnosis and quite shocked to be frank and insisted upon seeing the neurologist and she said that a DAT scan would confirm that I had Parkinson's. So I went through that process and had confirmation. And my next step was to, he gave me some flyers and my daughter-in-law worked at a place called Elder Care and they had a program for Parkinson's, an exercise program run by their uh, director of physical therapy. And I went to the exercise class twice a week. And one of the men that helped with the class was uh, ran a boxing gym. And 
he had a class for Parkinson's and had two women in his class who were in the clinical trial. Then my daughter-in-law heard through the grapevine that the neurologist was quitting, was leaving, and I needed to find another neurologist very quickly because there weren't very many. And the boxer told me about this Dr. Claus and the clinical trial that he thought I would qualify for. So I contacted you and my physical therapist contacted you and Joe contacted you begging you to let me in this program. <laughs> and the rest is history. That's great. Thank you. And and so Joe, uh, do you remember, you know, kind of back when she was diagnosed, what your thought were, thoughts were at the time and what what you were observing and how you were feeling kind of with this new diagnosis in the family and as the care partner. Yeah. My first, my first thought was that it, it wasn't true. And how do they know? She went to the neurologist, to the neurologist by herself, the first appointment, just wanting to see, you know, she thought it was a brain tumor. <laughs> you know, right, right. couldn't be that bad. So, and, and I said, well, how did they diagnose it? They said, well, just by watch, watching me walk and move. And I said, well, that's not very scientific. There's got to be a way. So I went back to the neurologist with her and, and they went through the procedures and said, and, you know, this is how it's diagnosed. And I was still skeptical of just by watching movement. Is there a scientific way we can show, prove this? And so they said, well, a DAT scan. So we did the DAT scan. So I went from not believing it and then to, I mean, this was probably... The first three months, you know, when you get a diagnosis like this, it's your roller coaster. And we went from everything's great in our life, you know, I mean, we're just riding the wave. And then you're hit, we're kind of blindsided, you know, by this. And so we went from just everything's great to all of a sudden it's life is a razor's edge. And we went down the hill, down the valley. And for three months, we were just trying to get a handle on this. We were, I was, we were devastated by it because it's life changing and didn't know anything about the, uh, about uh, Parkinson's. And so we get on the internet, we start reading everything and then that sends you into deeper, <laughs> deeper valleys. Yes. Um, so we were, we were really, you know, quite uh, shocked and devastated and sad. And, and um, how do you see, how do you see the, you know, the future in this? Um, and so the neurologist, you know, prescribed a, a, a medicine for her and essentially said, well, good luck, you know, we'll see you. And so then as Barbie just said about the clinical trial, we've not, we didn't know anything about clinical trials. Um, and so we thought there, there is the chance because there is action. There's something going on that possibly could help solve it or at least, you know, make it uh, less severe. And so we were, you know, the seventh person to get in in your clinical trial. And uh, it's been a godsend for us, um, that whole aspect of without a clinical trial, I don't know where, what we would be doing now. Um, you know, it's been one thing is hope. The other thing, it gives us encouragement 
um, we're involved in something now that it looks like it's going to have some length of study to it and showing some promise. And so that is very, very important to us to have hope and to have encouragement. And we think it's, it's working because we're not seeing progression and it's a lifeline, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. I, we can't speak high enough about it because without that, without being in a clinical trial, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of a yes, I'm, I'm getting away from the subject, I know, but it was it was just a real nightmare because anything that comes and blindsides you that you're not expecting, whether it's cancer or tumor or something like that, Parkinson's, it's just devastating. And in this field, evidently, there's just not as much as, as, as there is in the field of cancer. It seems like there's a lot of cancer research going on. There's a lot of treatment in cancer. But in this, there's a few neurologists in Oklahoma. We only have one in our small town where, where we're from. And then he decided to leave and they just, it took over two years to replace that person. Hmm. So we were just extremely, extremely fortunate to, uh, to find your trial. So when you were, when you guys were first in the office receiving the diagnosis and talking about treatment options, was the idea of a clinical trial brought up at all to you or did you have any introduction to it at that time or was it only through the support group that you, the boxing? There was no information on any clinical trial or any suggestion that we explore that. Mm -hmm. And it was very serendipitous that I even learned about this trial. And, you know, you, like Joe said, you get on the internet and it says sign up for free clinical trials and you're skeptical mm-hmm. yeah. because there's all kinds of things out there right. and you don't know who to believe and what site you should look at. And, and before this clinical trial, what were some of the, thoughts that you might have had about trials in general? What what concerns or what would make you sort of skeptical about a trial or even concerned to be in one, maybe? Well, I I didn't feel like I had any concerns mm-hmm. with, I mean, as far as being part of a clinical trial, as long it was, as it was... Um, reputable and had a... Had a reputable good, and... A good organization behind it. Mm-hmm. No, you know, I didn't really know much about clinical trials. I knew we knew people who'd been in cancer research trials mm-hmm. and been very happy that they were part of that trial. So I felt like the information from my primary care doctor, and that's and he's a very kind and wonderful person and a good doctor, but I don't think he knew what to tell me mm-hmm. and the neurologist I saw specialized in strokes and didn't sit, never suggested a clinical trial. So I feel like there's something really lacking mm-hmm. in the communication mm-hmm. and the information and the education mm-hmm. of your primary care doctor and I mean, they have to cover a lot of ground, I know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so you heard about this trial and you came to the office to learn about this particular trial. When you heard about the trial details and what 
you would be involved in. Did you feel like you developed any new concerns or did you feel confident or excited about what was, tell me some of the emotions you had at that point. It was so uplifting because it just like Joseph, it gave me a feeling of hope and confident. And I felt very confident that this was the right direction for me to take Mm -hmm. that without the clinical trial, there were certain protocols and medicines out there to help me with any progression I might have, but they were limited. Mm. And I believe in science. I believe in research. And I felt like this was my chance to stop the progression of this disease. Hopefully it's not a cure and nobody's said it's a cure, but I feel like doing this trial and being part of the research, being part of the scientific study, (laughs) that maybe there will be a cure, Mm -hmm. that this will be part of a bigger picture. So I'm very happy and it has taken away my anxiety and my fear Mm -hmm. because I don't know how I will progress in the long term, but I'm not worried about it anymore. I'm not borrowing trouble. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Joe, what do you think about how the trial sort of changed your perspective on the road ahead? Yeah, I think that um, as I think without it, we would really be alone. It would just be fending, you know, I mean, you can come in for an appointment. How long does it take to get an appointment with a neurologist? You go in and they prescribe, you know, some additional medicine. And lots of luck. You know, it's just, it's, it's, without it, I'd really hate to think of how it would be mentally, besides the physical aspect, but mentally and emotionally how it would be, um, would be just kind of like a, a ship without a rudder. And I think the way we feel now in the trial that we're not rudderless. We have a direction. Uh, we are. I don't think the trial is just selling hope because of the, the, uh, the because of the pharmaceutical company behind it, because of the, the way they're conducting the trials. That it's um, they they have some real um, success so far with it. And we're very hopeful of that. But we also feel that if this doesn't pan out, that there'll be another type of trial that we could move into. Um, So I I think that it it gives us much more than hope. It gives us a community. It gives us family. Um, It gives us, um, it helps us be part of your practice instead of being outside of a practice that we see you on a regular basis, on a monthly basis. You keep us up to date on what's going on with Parkinson's. And so we're part of this. And without that, we'd just be spinning our wheels on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's taking up too much of your time to be involved in a trial? Are you feeling overwhelmed or feeling like it's a burden? I think it's very easy. Um, Every it's every four for me for the trial I'm in. It's every four weeks, a half a day, 
in your office, mm-hmm. which is comforting because I understand that it can be six months or a year or longer before you can get an appointment with the neurologist mm-hmm. and in general, just in general. And the daily task takes five or 10 minutes and that's it. It's, I think it's very easy to be in the trial. I, there are no side effects for me. Great. And it's simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you, do you feel like you're still treated as an individual patient where we can still make decisions about how to treat your Parkinson's symptoms um, as we would if you were not in a trial while still being in a trial, because that's commonly an objection that one might have, that if I'm in this trial, they're just going to run me through the trial as just another person in a group, and I have to follow along you know, exactly what they're planning for me, and, and I won't be treated as an individual. Do you get that feeling at all, or do you no, think that's... No, I I feel like almost selfish that I get all this extra attention and this very heightened interest in my health and my progression in my life and not just physical, but my emotional well-being and my spiritual well-being and just being really interested in me as a person in whole. Mm. not just my disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Joe, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I think that you know, it, it, people need to know what is involved in a clinical trial. When I think of clinical trial, I think, well, you come in and you get an infusion, you know, and you leave. But this clinical trial is much more than that because you are not only getting the infusion, but... They are testing a cognitive tests. They are studying every time uh, or every other time movement um, of hands, feet, fingers, toes, uh, walking, standing up, sitting down, keeping track of blood pressure, uh, keeping track of vitals. They're drawing blood, checking the blood to make sure that there's you know nothing wrong you know that, uh, that could go sideways with with the blood counts. Um, so it's not just the infusion. It's, it's much, much more than that, that that we're getting from this, plus the conversations that we have with you about you're always asking about how we're doing, how Barbara's doing, uh, is she seeing anything different, um, the chance for us to ask questions, uh, the chance for you to give us information, as I said earlier, about what's going on with the trials, but also what's going on in the area of Parkinson's. So it's, it's much you know broader than that. It's not you come in for 15 minutes and you're gone. It's it's not a roundtable type thing. This is usually a three or four hour you know event that we're in for, um, and we don't uh, we look on this as the highlight of our month actually. You know <laughs> even with the pandemic that we're in, um, so it's, uh, it's it's very thorough. She wears a watch that records her movements, you know. So this is this is very scientifically done, and that is we're just very impressed with the protocol that's behind this process. 
Well, and, and you and all of the patients that are participating in this trial and other trials are, you know, providing a wonderful gift that could benefit potentially millions of people should this trial be successful and lead to a, a new treatment on the market. It's a wonderful gift that you're, you're providing. Um, do you think along the way um, you've had some concerns or do you remember times when you thought, I wonder if this is really going to work? You know, I wonder if it's, if I should stay in this. Have you had any, any doubts about the I've treatment? I've never had a doubt that this wasn't the right thing to do. Not just for me, but like you say, for everyone with Parkinson's and for my husband, who's my caregiver. And I just, I feel like it's so important and so beneficial. It's great. Yeah, it's like, it's like anything. Attitude to me is, is, is everything. It's, it's one's attitude towards things. There's, but there's a saying, I'll believe it when I see it. We don't, we don't believe that way. I think we believe that, first off, we have to, we have to believe that this is working. Whether it does or not, yep, but we believe that it's working. And that's really important, I think, for one's attitude going into a trial. If you go into a trial skeptical, you're going to find fault. But we have going into it thinking the best is going to happen from this. This is going to work for us. You're putting your faith and everything into it. And likewise, you say it's a gift, you know, that we're giving, but it's a gift that's given to us because it's brought us to you and it's brought us um, the gift of this infusion of this whole protocol. And it's, I mean, this is no charge. We're not having to pay for any of this. And that's, you know, to us, it's unheard of, you know, because it's, it's a real, I understand it. You know, that, that it's a it's a trial, but there's been no charges at all for any of this, and I think that that in itself is a gift to us. But the whole aspect of being in this trial is a gift to us because of what it is giving to to both of us. What's giving to Barbara um, beyond just hope? It's giving us the belief that this is going to work, and for some reason it doesn't. Something else is going to happen that will, yeah. and we're part of that. We're involved in it. And, and obviously, Barbara, you're doing very well, you know, at this point, you're not needing any help at all, obviously, physically from Joe, mm -hmm. um, fully independent. But I'm just curious, I mean, beyond the trial itself, you know, how as a couple, how do you support each other? How do you what are some of the um, strategies that you use or or techniques that you use? To lift each other up and help you out. Sometimes I have to tell Joe just to back off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. he gets overly concerned and overly protective and wants me to hold his hand or take his arm every step I take. Wants to drive me everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. Wants to go with me everywhere we go. And with the pandemic, we're not going many places. But... Sometimes I just have to say, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I don't need your arm. Sure, sure. But then I have it's, to be grateful and appreciative of the fact that he is so caring and he is so giving. It's, it's a delicate balance, yeah, but most of the yeah. time it works out just fine. Well, I think it's probably a, 
it's a challenge for the care partner who wants so badly to to be there for you and to to help you and not that you need it but you know to show that love and that expression of support and and so it's probably a challenge i would imagine joe to find that balance i i don't know well sometimes i take advantage of him ah yeah, like she can't vacuum anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's not good at, you know, pulling weeds and riding the dune and mowing. And, you know, no, I don't know. I, I think that, the, I think, I don't know, I'm that much of a good caregiver. I think I probably had as much stress. And that's one of the things, you know, that we've learned about Parkinson's, the aspect of stress. And, and I've probably been, you know, violation of that more than anything because when she says I, I drive around do all this kind of stuff sometimes you know I think well um, just do it yourself you know or I push sometimes too hard on things um, that uh, you know that, that adds to the confusion but um, it's learning for the caregiver and like Barbara said it's, it's trying to find a balance because I think if the situation were reversed, um, I'd want to be independent and I don't want to be de- dependent on somebody. And I want to have my own life. And even if I mess up at times, I want it to be my way of doing it. So it's, it's a hard line to kind of follow. And I don't want to turn Barbara into a needy person. Um, because she's so strong and independent anyway, and I don't want to break that. But maybe I'm sure I've gone overboard on you know, many things. But I think the aspect is, part of me says, well, I'm not going to be any different I was before. But then the other part of me says, well, I better be different because part of me before wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> so I've got to be a little better. I don't believe that. Because we're both kind of type A. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that can be, that can be hard because we both, um, are kind of alpha, kind of dominant and kind of believe that what we think is the right way to do things. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm agreeing. So have you found She's the- usually right. That's the thing I've recognized. All husbands have learned over the years, I'm sure, is that, you know, she's, he's right more than I am. And it's not a question anymore trying to be right. It's just trying to, to be calm and to be together on things. Have you found a way to communicate that to each other, to kind of say, you know, I need I need you to kind of back off a little bit or I need some independence, or do you still find that's difficult to find no, the balance? I, I can say I need some space. I need you to leave me alone. I need you to quit asking me to do something I don't want to do. You're causing me. And then I play the anxiety card and maybe some tears. And that always works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been very long time, though. So your <laughs> listeners find out what we've been 54 years. So, you know, <laughs> you know we, we, we know each other pretty well, I think. Do you guys maybe individually if you could take a turn just giving any advice that you would have to a listener today that, um, that that's a care partner to someone who's in the early stages of Parkinson's 
you know, what advice would you give that person from the perspective of a patient, but also from Joe, your perspective as a care partner, any, any advice you'd share with, with someone who is just starting out in this, this journey that down this road and feeling kind of lost. Well, I, I think the first thing you should do is speak to whoever diagnosed you and say, I need all the information I can get. I want to know what's viable, what's reliable, what's truthful. Where can I go to get this? Because you don't have to give up your primary care doctor. You don't have to give up your neurologist to be in a clinical trial. And really explore those trials and find out what's available. And there are the Parkinson's Foundation and all kinds of resources. I suppose I could call your office and say, this, fill out a form or something and say, I'm interested in a clinical trial and you would let them know what you have available. Yeah. We'll put some of those links in the show notes for this, this particular podcast of sources they can look to for trial information. But I would explore. I would explore that first before I explore all these health, these vitamins and these concoctions that they're selling over the internet as a cure or helpful. I would. I would explore a clinical trial first. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Um, I think the most important thing is to find uh, if you if you're diagnosed by a neurologist, then you your relationship with that neurologist is critical, um, and that's where we didn't know even about clinical trials, um, but our neurologist didn't mention them to us either. So I think Barbara's point is that you can, if you like your neurologist, you can stay with that neurologist, but you can also be part of a clinical trial with another neurologist. You don't have to leave your your primary neurologist. Um, ours left us, you know, that was the way it worked out. But you don't have to, so I think that's important to know. And I think the next part is, is networking. Um, you can get the names of some other people that have Parkinson's that are kind of in your stage, your level of it. Talk to them, are they in a trial? What are they doing, you know, for it? Um, if you, you're, again, the neurologist should be able to you know, point you to the right trials, but you got to know to ask. And I think educating yourself on, you don't have to know what's trial, but you have to just find out are there trials for someone with Parkinson's in my particular stage of it. Um, and maybe that's what you have to Google, you know, but we were, we were very lucky, as Barbara said, it was serendipitous moment that led us to you in the clinical trial. Not everybody's going to be in that situation. Um, so I think that the advice is um, after, there's going to be a period of grieving and, and of, of figuring out why me, you know, why this happened to us. And for us, it took three months, you know, easily. I mean, we were just in a, in a dead zone, or at least I was. And so we had to then kind of recover from that. And as we, Barbara mentioned, how we lucked out at finding the clinical trial. Well, I, th I think the way you can network is there are all kinds of groups that have 
meetings, caregiver groups, and um, the Parkinson's Foundation has some meetings. I wasn't really interested in that. I wasn't ready for that. I, I don't still don't feel like I'm ready for that. But I was interested in the exercise program that's specifically designed for Parkinson's. And they're everywhere. We live in a small town and we have an exercise class for Parkinson's. And that's where I learned about the clinical trial. That's where I learned that it was interesting, the group of us, there was, uh, I think, 11 or 12 when we were meeting. And everyone had a different experience with Parkinson's. Everyone was at a different stage or a different had different symptoms. That was really enlightening for me. But mm-hmm. I think I think you just need to find what works for you. And the exercise program is fun. And I think that's a good start. That's a great point. That's a great point because it, it gives you a, 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 an immediate community and then it helps you network and learn from others. You know, you can't do it sitting at home in front of the computer. You've got to get away from that. And then that's a great point Barbara makes because that opened all the doors mm. to other people. That's great advice. Wonderful advice. Well, I want to thank both of you for being willing to, to share your story and your wisdom and your thoughts about clinical trials and early Parkinson's disease uh, management with us. And this is very helpful and I hope and, and know it will help a lot of people out there. So thank you for your oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you for saying thank yes. You. Clinical trials offer numerous advantages for the Parkinson's disease patient. The patient has the opportunity to receive a new treatment before it's available for everyone else. It allows them to take a more active role in managing their illness. And they really benefit from the more frequent and more in-depth visits with their neurology team. Those visits give them opportunities to ask lots of questions and to learn more about the condition, not just the clinical trial. And it's a wonderful gift a patient is giving to participate in a trial, to possibly help a treatment become available for other Parkinson's disease patients to benefit from in the future. The trials are funded by the sponsoring company, so there's no charge to the patient personally or to the insurance provider. This includes all aspects of the trial, the study medicine, all of the testing, the healthcare provider's time, and any procedures that may be performed, such as imaging, etc. There are some risks to clinical trials. Patients need to be aware that some serious side effects may develop during the trial, or they may just feel uncomfortable during the trial. The new treatment may not work. And you may not be part of the treatment group. Instead, you may be in the control group or the placebo group. There may be some inconveniences as well, including drive time to the research center or procedures that are being required during the clinical trial. 
I think it's important to point out that there are numerous layers of oversight in these clinical trials. The clinical investigator at each research site monitors the safety and well-being of each of the patients. And there are rules that must be followed to keep the patients safe during the trial, and these are enforced by the federal government. Every trial has a protocol that must be followed, and the patient is well aware of that protocol before signing consent. So there's full disclosure of what will be performed during the course of the clinical trial. There's an organization called the Institutional Review Board, or IRB, at each of the clinical trial research sites, and they must approve every clinical trial performed in the United States. The IRB consists of doctors, scientists, non-medical people who oversee the clinical trial, making sure that patients are not exposed to unnecessary risks. The IRB reviews the conduct of the study on a regular basis, as well as the results, and they assure that any potential harm from the treatment is as low as possible. There's also data and safety monitoring teams consisting of medical experts who are reviewing the progress of each trial, and they are allowed to stop the trial at any time if the treatment is not working or if it's causing harm to the participants. And ultimately, the FDA is also monitoring and providing oversight for the integrity of the clinical trials. The informed consent process at the beginning of the trial allows patients to understand what they are getting into and what are the risks, as well as the alternatives. The informed consent also assures the patient that they are volunteering to participate So this means that they may drop out at any time without any penalty. You can get more information about clinical trials for Parkinson's disease at several websites. Uh, One to consider would be clinicaltrials.gov. This is a website that lists all registered clinical trials around the world. And you can further search for particular symptoms uh, or locations for these clinical trials. You can also go to the FDA website at www.fda.gov. You can search the Michael J. Fox Foundation website and other national organizations for Parkinson's disease, such as the American Parkinson's Disease Association. So three take-home points that I would like for you to take away from this podcast today. The first is that clinical trials offer hope to the patient and to the families as a whole. Number two, clinical trials offer an opportunity to empower patients and caregivers to take an active role in managing the disease and have more effective time and oversight from their healthcare provider. The third take-home point is that as a care partner or caregiver, clinical trials offer you the opportunity to be more of a leader for your loved one. You can research opportunities. This gives you a more active role in helping them manage their illness. You might find some clinical trial opportunities that they may want to consider 
and you can discuss this together and also bring this up to the healthcare providers to see if this is even a feasible option. I want to thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Remember, you are a better Parkinson's disease caregiver than you think. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Head over to pdcaring.com for more resources. Please share this podcast with other fellow care partners and caregivers. Subscribe so you won't miss any shows. 